Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Este episodio de Salud Podcast es traído a ti por McDonald's, sirviendo orgullosamente a la comunidad desde 1965. Y uno de los recuerdos que más tengo guardados es cada viernes después de que mi madre nos recogiera a mí y a mis hermanos de la escuela, nos íbamos a McDonald's para nuestra cajita feliz. Ese momento al abrir tu cajita y ver el monito que te salía era de pura diversión. Y uno de los recuerdos que más me resuenan cuando me acuerdo de McDonald's y por eso me encanta. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Salud Podcast. I'm your host Jose Quintero and I am very excited to have this uncomfortable conversation because it's not very common that we talk about male bisectomies and you know the male organ and how something so simple can be so controversial in the latin x community latino community whatever you'd like to call it i wanted to bring on my friend stephanie you guys have already had you know, the honor of listening to her in previous podcasts because I wanted her perspective as a woman. And then we also have with us Mi Primo desde Arizona, if I'm not mistaken, that's where you're at. Arizona, Arizona. Alejandro Capilla. So welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So it's funny because esto se me ocurrió de la nada. Literally, ayer estaba como que I need to record some content, but I don't want to just record any type of content. I want it to be genuine. I want it to be a conversation starter and I want it to be uh, uh, different. So I hit up Stephanie and then I also hit up Alex and I'm like, Alex. You're the only person that I know that has gotten a male bisectomy by choice, you know? And then I told Steph and I'm like, uh, I'm like, hey, Steph, how does this how, how do you feel about this conversation? And she's like, I have so many questions. I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and get started. Alex. Cuéntanos un poquito about your background. Uh, we want to get to know you a little bit better because I know you. Stephanie doesn't know you. Pero la gente que nos está escuchando en Salud Podcast, they don't know you. So, adelante, primo. Well, I grew up in Los Angeles. Uh, same as Jose. We, we grew up pretty close. We always used to hang out pretty much every weekend. And, uh, you know, growing up in Los Angeles was a little tough because the job market out there isn't what it used to be. About five years ago, I think it was five or six years ago at this point, I decided to move out to Arizona for better financial opportunities, and I was lucky enough to be able to find them. I have a good county job right now, and you know, even though my financial needs are met, I don't think they're at a level where, where I can support having a kid as well as myself. Mm. And so that's what led me to my decision. Before we get into the decision, I just realized, ahorita que los tengo a los dos, I'm like, Stephanie, you know his mom. 
And Alex is yeah. like, <laughs> I was like, Alex, she's been to your house. <laughs> hey, everybody knows my mom, so it didn't surprise me. I just, well, it's because it's funny, yeah. but uh, because uh, Stephanie, you're originally from Downey. Alex, you grew up in Downey. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. That's my mom. I just remembered. <laughs> so he you went to. for a Christmas. <laughs> yes. Yes. So he went to Warren. You went to Downey High. Yeah. So super rival. But I remember one time I was like over it. And I uh, I told Stephanie, I was like, dude, I hate being just el único güey que no trae a nadie for Christmas. And I don't know if you were uh, um, in, uh, I don't know if you went to Christmas that one year, but I was uh, like, would you be down to be my date for Christmas? Uh, I, this was years ago. And she's like, will there be food? She's And I was like, yeah. And she's like, fuck it, I'm down. Yeah, he's <laughs> up. That's true. But I don't know if you were there. But uh, I, I think we can both relate in that sense, Stephanie. The job market, the housing market. Uh, don't even get me started on that. I, yeah. I work for, for the city and it, I, you know, I, I, it's a good job. I get paid well and I feel like my financial needs are being met somehow. But like even getting into the housing market here is is nearly impossible. The houses behind me, they're like two bedroom, like very simple houses. They're like going up to like 1 million. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> what? <laughs> when before they used to be like half the price of that. And it, like salaries are not keeping up with like the, the cost of the market. And also, you know, just inflation in general is just like killing us. Yeah. And it's really hard for us to just be able to i mean live live comfortably but also bring another person into this world you know i struggle with that myself because i'm like when am i gonna be ready i feel like i'm (laughs) i'm constantly racing and i'm never gonna see the finish line you know so and you moved out five six years ago to arizona alex right yeah i'm yeah i moved out here just because i didn't see a future that was sustainable in california um, like she said, the houses have gone up in price to something that none of us, you know, can really afford to, to purchase or not, none of us can afford, for example, gas prices the way mm-hmm. they are right now. They're more than minimum wage, which blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The average minimum wage, I think somewhere in the United States is like seven something. And then the average federal uh, on the federal level is uh, seven yeah. something. And the uh, the average gas prices five something and i'm like whoa whoa how are those people surviving right yeah uh yeah but i but five six years ago you moved out to arizona at what point did you uh decide that you were gonna get a bisectomy so that had been something that had been on my mind uh you know coming out here trying to figure out life on my own i looked around and i didn't find much at the start. It took me a few years to actually get settled down here in Arizona. And finally, when I felt like I was in a good place financially, like I said, um, I realized that the houses had that I had been keeping an eye on went from being worth $80,000, $90,000 to, you know, $140,000, $160,000. So as I made more money, things went up in price. So it kept me at the same level. Mm-hmm. And I ultimately decided that if this is the way that life is going to be, there's no financial way that I can, you know, raise a child, especially with the average cost of, 
raising it one kid alone is something like $180,000 for 18 years. Dang. Uh. And those prices are like, I know if Stephanie and I, with our current wages, were in Arizona at that time with those prices, we would have jumped on a house or two. Yeah, probably. Because I know, yeah. like, like currently the house um, that you currently live in, how many rooms does it have? Uh, the house I live in right now is a three-bedroom, three-bathroom house. It's three stories. And we got it for the low price of 390000 Three-story house, Steph. Three-story house? <laughs> yeah. So, so the, house, the house itself sounds big. It's actually much taller than it is wider. So that's pretty much how it works out here. And uh, the house in the two years that we've been living in this specific location has gone up from 390000 to almost 600000 wow. in price. Oh, my God. There are, there are houses that people bought while this community was being built that were for the purpose of reselling once everything was done. And obviously those houses have sold to families that paid almost double what we did. Dang. Oh my God. I just, it's so tough for me to even decide to leave California because obviously I, we all were raised here. So kudos to you who actually decided to take the move and the leap of faith. Uh, when you finally got your vasectomy or, you know, we're in the process of, did you have a partner at the time? Uh, I actually, it's a funny story. I had just started dating this girl uh, that I met through Bumble because hey. you know, that's the easiest way to, that's the easiest way to meet people now for yeah. our generation. And uh, <laughs> I had talked to her about a month into, into starting dating. And I told her, Hey, look, this is something that I'm interested in. I finally have the money set aside for it. So it's, so it's, uh, I want to let you know that this is what I'm doing. If you're not comfortable, we mm. can end the relationship at this point to not, you know, give you a false sense of hope. So uh, my my wonderful girlfriend, who I've been with for two years now, she actually did the research and she saw vasectomies are reversible. It's not always 100%, but if we ever reach a point financially that we're able to sustain having a kid and ourselves, then uh, we can always make that decision to go back and undo it and try for a kid. So, and when you say the cost of it, it's not covered, is it covered by insurance or no? Not always. So, um, I, I've had multiple friends that have paid something like, wow. you know, $50, $150, but that was usually after they already had a child. Me, I, I was, uh, 26 when I decided to get the vasectomy and, uh, I, I didn't have any children, so I had to go through the screening process. And they kind of pushed back a little bit because they said, oh, you're going to regret not having a kid. Mm. And so out of my own pocket, I had to pay $800. Wow. Dang. Yeah, I heard, I heard they always push back because uh, if you, for example, for me, if I, if I want to get my tube cider at some point and I don't have any children, like they push back a lot. And there's a chance that like insurance can deny it and all these kinds of things. And I think it depends exactly. on your employer because I did some research and I guess it depends on your employer too. Um, if you work for a certain religious nonprofit organization or something uh, religious based, they can actually tell you like we can't, it's not covered. So it was $800 with insurance or without insurance? It was $800 with insurance. With insurance. With insurance? Dang. Yeah. 
I, I work for, for the state government. I'm actually a corrections officer. So I work in jails and, uh, you know, I signed up mainly to this job for the benefits mm. and, uh, yeah, even with those county benefits, it just didn't cover it. Now to reverse it. Oh, oh yeah, I know. Stephanie's like, what the hell? <laughs> I work for the county too. <laughs> I, I yeah. work for the city. I work at the city level oh, and you know, our benefits are great. I'm like, I need to check that. What about to reverse it? If you wanted to reverse it, have you uh, like looked up the cost? Because I would just Googled it and I don't know why it was, like you said, it was cheaper to do it and then super expensive to reverse it. Yeah. So I did look up the costs. Um, On average, you're getting quoted something from like $8,000 to $12,000 to undo it. And I feel like if you have $8,000, $12,000 set aside, that money, you know, that shows that you're financially at a point that you can support a kid. So like, like I said, it's, it's kind of a investment in your future. That you have a point there. Cause if you have to have, you know, a good financial system, you know, like a good financial chunk of money to like have a kid. So it, it is true. They're expensive. So it's a good investment on your future, I guess, like to actually plan it. Now, I have always said too, like, why, why don't we require like, it's, you know how there's everything with like abortion and everything they're trying to overrule Roe v. Wade. Why don't we require like vasectomies early on? Cause you know, like a, a, a man can reproduce essentially every day. We can't have a child every single day of the year. Why don't we require vasectomies early on? And then since they're reversible and then just have them covered by insurance because in that way, that way you, we make sure that kids, you know, that whoever is ready to have a kid, that they have the financial means to actually have a child. That that makes sense. Um, in regards to at 26, wow, I am 30 and I'm older than you are, Alex, uh, by a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by a month. But at 26, I was still having so much fun going out partying, drinking, and I want to know, and you were adulting way faster than I was, the pushback, or how did you tell your parents? So, we're Latinos. about that. Yeah, I, I talked to my mom, which both of you know, and uh, she did not believe me when <laughs> I told her that I was interested <laughs> in this. She said, yeah, she, that's exactly what she says. That's pendejo. So she, she said, I know, no mames de eso. So she quickly changed the topic, but that was as much as I could do to get her to understand that I was serious about this. And so finally, when I did go through with it, even, you know, my, my younger brother and my younger sister and my older brother from Washington actually called me and he said, wait, you seriously did this? And so they all understand that it, I was serious about this. And my mom, I still think, is in denial. I I think so, too, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, uh, obviously, you know how families work. The cheese spreads real quick. So when we all found out, I think it had already been months. And, like, Alex got a bisectomy. Wait, what? Like, he doesn't have any kids. And why would he do that? And, oh, that way, like, se va a arrepentir. I think exactly how <laughs> doctors were saying, because it's so unnormal and unheard of for a male to do something that's like Stephanie said, should be kind of thought of more in society. 
because all the pressure is put on the woman. It should be thought of way more, honestly. It's it's reversible. So <laughs> you were put in the what is it in the in the group chat of like Alex got a vasectomy. The Facebook messages. Yeah. That's how that's how the cheese spreads. Did oh anybody God. call you? Like um, our aunts, uncles try to talk you out of it or try to talk you to like, oh, no, like this is a lie. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. You do it all without breaking a sweat, like being a boss exec to Tuesday tennis to homework. Why do the kids have so much homework? Family dinners, lunches, brunches, trips to the vet and a weekend getaway that's anything but a getaway. And you do it all in style. Even when you have back-to-back conference calls on top of the kids' orchestra recitals, not to mention your side hustle. And that's why we created the fully reimagined Infiniti QX60. A luxury SUV as functional as it is stylish and as versatile as it is serene. With premium features like a panoramic moonroof, ample cargo space, and available massaging front seats to bring the ease of luxury to your everyday. Introducing the all-new Infiniti QX60, designed to help you take on life and all the chaos it may come with, in style. Learn more at InfinityUSA.com. Now with extremely limited availability, contact your local retailer for inventory information. No, it had been something that I had been thinking about for a while. So, like I said, when I finally set the money aside, I, I went ahead and did it. I called and I think a week after I made the phone call, it was done. How was the procedure? Yeah. Uh, the procedure was pretty fast. I actually drove myself there. Uh, the procedure took maybe 30 minutes. Whoa. I sat in the car for about 10 uh, just to make sure that the anesthesia had worn off. Then I drove myself home. I went to work the very next day. What did they, like what, what? what do they do? Like, is it just a snippet? Like, it just seems so, like, that's such a sensitive organ in the male body. Yeah, I'm wondering so, that too. So they actually, they give you anesthesia, like I said, so you can't feel pain. They they did a couple of injections in the general area to numb everything mm. that was down there. And then they made us a, a small cut. They they pulled out these small tubes that basically do the job of carrying the the sperm from, from the testicles to, uh. you know, the penis. And they actually cut that out using a, a razor, basically. And... They take out the portion that they that they remove and put it in the small cup, and it basically gets sent to a lab that verifies, yes, this is exactly what needed to be removed. Yes, this person should be infertile. And they told me that a month after the a month after the procedure was done, I actually had to go get my sperm counted, and they verified that I had zero sperm count at that point. So TMI, can you still <laughs> ejaculate? Yes. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That, that's my, so my weird. Sex, my sex life has not been affected. If anything, it's gotten better. Uh, huh. My girlfriend my girlfriend did really bad as far as being on the pill. Um, condoms were very cumbersome for both of us. So it just made everything a lot more convenient to not have to worry about whether or not she was going to get pregnant. And, you know, it, if she was a few days late on her period, she knew it was due to stress, not due to having a kid stephanie oh. as a woman like you're listening Tangent to this on that because i've been having like the worst time with like birth control since i started birth control 
the pills like at first made me like depressed and essentially bipolar at some point. Then um, I started getting like I got like a little like the little implant and that was like a nightmare. I started getting the shots and that worked out. And then I guess you can only have them for like two years. And then after that, you risk it like losing bone density. And I had been on it for like five years. And so I barely came out of it. And I started doing the pills again. And it's been a nightmare. I do not understand why there's no like hormonal male control. Like what we had to go through for birth control. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm. And nobody really understands it. (laughs) Props to you for understanding it because uh, men who actually understand like what women have to go through for this. And I've been like on this like nightmare of it, (sighs) you know, props to you. But Talk at 20, to your partners. I know. <laughs> but at 26, like, what is going through your head? Like, what kind of life did you have that so, made you understand, like, hey, this is such a... Because as I was saying before, like, at 26, I was I was still having fun, traveling, partying. I mean, I was working at, at Univision at that point. But that was the last thing on my mind. So having friends on social media, you get to see what they're doing even after you stop talking. Mm. Uh, I saw a lot of friends at, you know, 21, 22, 23 started posting about their kids, started saying, oh, working overtime again, or saying like, oh, just had to just had to sell my car, my fun car, because, you know, everybody has one for for moving families and another one for the weekend. And uh I, I saw the kind of life that they were living. I talked to a couple of my own coworkers that said, you know, I miss, I miss the freedom of being able to just pack my things and leave just like I did in California. If I had a kid, I wouldn't have been able to do that in California. I wouldn't have been able to just leave. And, you know, because that would have hurt them more than it hurts me, obviously. So I understand it's a, a little bit more of a selfish decision, but because I have no kids right now, I'm able to make that decision. Mm. Mm, that's that's true. I mean, on my end, I do see. I had a I had a couple of friends who had kids like really really young, like teenage years, and I see that you know their life just you know it becomes yeah. it's a it's a selfless like. I guess like your life revolves around kids sometimes, you know? And that's why I also don't feel ready yet. Like I have said it before. I'm like, I'm getting closer to 30 and you know, all the tias and everyone's like, y los niños pa cuando? Like my dad too. Like, pa cuando? Y pa cuando? Y pa cuando? And I'm like, pa cuando me sienta? Like, cuando me sienta bien, you know? I'm like, y la casa pa cuando? Mejor pregúnteme eso, no? (laughs) Y a ver si me los quieren cuidar, eh? Like, si es que tanto los quieren, a ver si me los cuidan. No se hagan. Yeah, because I, you know, todo mundo te pregunta para cuando, pero nadie los quiere cuidar. Yeah. But I see, I see that I'm like, I don't feel ready. Like, para cuando tuvieron todos mis amigos, like sus hijos, I'm like, I feel like I was, I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a teenager, essentially. I feel like a teenager, like in terms of that, like, I don't feel ready of bringing a life into this world yet. And like, I, I've had cats and I'm yeah. like, it's too much. <laughs> and I think you, like you mentioned, it was the... The social media posts from your friends who close friends who have kids that made you realize that I can honestly say that my friends in college, like 
I, I guess we were all on the same page. We weren't having kids and I didn't really follow anybody or see so many of my, fr- my closer group of friends having kids. So it was not the same, I guess, realization. Now at 30, I can say, hey, my friends are having kids and I can start talking about like, yo, how is it having kids? Oh, bro, we ain't sleeping. Oh, my God, this is tough. But it's so rewarding. And I'm like, that's such a juxtaposition. (laughs) (laughs) But are you afraid? You said it's reversible. Have you had this conversation with your girlfriend? Yeah, um, she she did mention that as of right now, she also is not ready for kids. Uh, obviously, we spoke about the financial side of it. If we're able, if we're able to afford the reversal, we should be able to afford a kid. So um, she asked me, "What if it doesn't work? What if it fails?" Because it only has, I, I believe, it's a slightly under ninety percent reversal success rate mm. uh, for the vasectomy. So there's a chance that you can put all this money into it and it still not work. Um, Personally, I'm a very big fan and proponent of adoption. So there's a lot of kids out there that need a family. And, you know, you bringing a person into this world denies them the ability of having a family. And I understand a lot of people are very strong, especially in the Latino community, about blood ties. But, for example, the friend that I live with here in Arizona He's been my best friend for 15 years and he's just as much my brother as you or my own brothers are. So that's the way I see it. If you can love a child that's yours biologically, you can love a child that's yours, you know, through the adoption process. And I think that is so important that we don't understand that. And you're right. Uh, Like my closest friends, they are family. And sometimes even your close family doesn't treat you as well as your closest friends, you know. So I can totally see that analogy. Pero no sé por qué todavía in the back of my head, and I'm not going to lie, like I want a kid of, my own flesh and blood, per se. Okay, I don't even have to deal with it. And I don't even know if you would consider that machismo culture because you're right. I can love someone else because I've done it with my closest friends. I think it's just because it's been like installed in our minds since like we were kids, you know, like. Yeah, I think that's what it is, honestly, like. Porque yo también una vez dije eso, like, oh, well, si no puedo, si no puedo tener hijos, or, you know, if I don't feel ready, or whenever I feel ready, if I'm older and I can't have kids, like, pues voy a adoptar. Yeah. And I got like a whole, it's like I open a can of worms, like, ¿para qué vas a adoptar si no va a ser tu hijo? Que siempre va a querer ver a yeah. su familia, siempre va a buscar a sus padres, y tú no, eres, no vas a ser su, su mamá, su, o su, ¿cómo se llama? Yeah. Su guardia, lo que sea. Yeah. And then I was like, Man, like you guys are, you know, I, I I know people who have been adopted and everything, and their family is their family. And I'm like, I've been adopted into people's families, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're my family too. You know, I'm like, because sometimes it is true. Like your friends or the people that you meet is like, is your family. I call them the the family that I got to choose, not the one that I was given. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and. uh Man, I, w- I was losing my train of thought, but but it's coming back. It's coming back. I think you're right. Like the whole notion of growing up, for me personally, I'm just trying to retrace where this whole, I don't want to call it trauma, but this stigma and taboo of like adopting children comes from. Uh, I'm thinking 
of hearing words in TV and novelas like bastardo, el bastardo, and oh, then God, thinking, yeah. you know, then thinking of like, well, what if, uh, you know, I adopt a kid y le dicen, oh, pues no es tu papá. And then the whole bullying aspect of it and not just bullying from other people in the school, but your own family, you know, because sometimes, sometimes even within kids like let's say let's say i have a kid let's just put a scenario and let's say you adopt a kid alex we're family we go to family gatherings kids are kids and because adults talk and it is unfortunate they repeat like ah eres ah, eres adoptado and then it just like that scares me that that could possibly happen you know hands on sight that's a, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Hands on sight. <laughs> I don't know. And I think, like I said, point, yeah, well, I, I think that's like the trauma of Pinche Rosa de Guadalupe, <laughs> you know, because you, you see it and it's so obvious and you're just like, wow, kids can be mean. And I do remember yeah. bringing it up to like my my aunt and my cousin just in general, um, like in Mexico. And I mentioned... If I'm not with someone by the age of 33, I and I know this is probably a complicated ass um, journey. I wouldn't mind adopting on my own and being a single father, you know, because I do feel like I would be a great father. I feel like I was a lot of people say are born to be mothers. I feel like I would I was born to be a good father. I want to pass down knowledge and uh, be a good mentor role model to somebody. So so I brought that up. And one of our tías, Alex said, ¿Estás bien pendejo? ¿Qué tal si el niño te sale malo? Si lo, si lo dejaron en adopciones porque sus papás de seguro fueron drogadictos. O a lo mejor sale, te sale malito de la cabeza. And I'm just like, whoa. Y'all just laid a lot on me right now. Yeah. And there, there's... Uh, I, I've also had that kind of pushback from my own family when I told them that adoption was an, was an option for me. And... Even my older brother, who mm-hmm. lives in Washington, he uh, he has a wife that he married, I believe it's three years ago at this point. Yeah. And he still doesn't have any kids because he's not ready yet. So when I heard him talking about how adoption didn't seem like a good idea, I told him, well, if you think having kids is such a good idea, you're married, you make good money. Why don't you have one yet? Mm. Any other and house. What's up? Yeah, Andy has a house. Love you, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do, I do love him. But dang, what did he say? Uh, he didn't really have an answer. He just said he wasn't quite ready. Yeah. It's a, it's a stigmatized thing we have in the Latino community more than anything. Yeah, I would really like to speak to like all the the tias and everyone that always says that it's a bad idea to adopt because like a child might be like you know, wrong or whatever it is, because a child is a child, you know, like they're just kids and they deserve a home as much as everybody else. So I always would like to speak to them and be like, what can really go wrong? Like, I guess can let, you know, there's people out there that don't even know that they're adopted and Mm -hmm. living life being completely fine. What advice would you give men to who are reluctant to get a vasectomy? Um, the only advice that I have for them is this is this is something that um, can affect your future relationships. 
obviously I spoke with my girlfriend. She said that she, she cried when I first got it because she felt like an option was being taken away from her. So speak with your partner. If you don't have a partner, make it clear to the person that you decide that will be your partner, whether it's short-term or long-term. Tell them, hey, I have a vasectomy. If this is something that you don't see us, you know, mm-hmm. don't see us being comfortable with in the future, then at least I'm upfront about it right now. So that's, that's something that you need to be very clear on because some people are, especially at our age now, looking to just settle down save enough money and have a family. But to me, a family is whatever I decide to make it, whether it's my friends, whether it's my pets, whether it's just me and my, my partner, you know, a family doesn't have to involve children. That's such a freaking mature ass answer. It is true. (laughs) It's like, fuck, it just puts everything in perspective. Stephanie. Yeah. That, that was a, that was an eye-opening answer for me. That was a it, mic drop. I know. I'm like, man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we, we, as Latinos, we want to see our legacy continue and not end with us. Or I mean, like me, I don't want my the legacy of my parents uh, to kind of end with me. And I know I don't have kids. My siblings don't have kids. We're not looking for kids at the moment. But I would want kids. And um, it's just the hard thing thing to fathom the statement that you said like you know family doesn't have to include kids and uh it's true it doesn't like shit my dog can have puppies and they can continue on the legacy there exactly my cats can't have kitties because they're uh they're fits but they didn't have a choice (laughs) they didn't have a choice we adopted them from the (laughs) the street so yeah Speaking about legacies and, you know, the things that you leave behind, uh, actions, things that you do, ways that you help your community, that's, Mm. I think that's more impactful than having another kid. Uh, The job that I chose was because I actually wanted to do something for the community. Working in the jails, you meet a lot of people that are at the lowest point they'll ever be in their lives. And as an officer in those jails, you talk to them, you get to know them. And you kind of try to steer them in the direction that that tells them like, hey, this isn't something you want to keep doing for the rest of your life. So I feel like the legacy I leave behind will be the people that remember me, the people that choose a better mm-hmm. path in life in the future, not, you know, the kid that I gave birth to. That I didn't give any attention to. True. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've seen plenty of uh, my friends' kids on iPads and stuff and they know every single YouTube song there. So, you know, how much parenting is really going on there. Yeah, yeah. you're right on that, you know. <laughs> That's a valid point. And I, uh, but honestly, I feel like I'd be one of those parents too. And I think it's just a human, I mean, we weren't on iPads. We were on Game Boys, but even then our parents would take those away from us and we'd have to like play Game Boys on the, like on the low, you know. But yes, a lot of parents are very, hey, here's an iPad because it just allows normalcy normalcy in their life. I would assume it's like, I just need a break here. And I don't know if that's the correct way to do it. I mean, I'm not a parent. I I can't judge them because I feel Um, like I would do the same. I can't judge on that, but I I see the point that that you're making. I feel like with the impact that you do in your community has a more everlasting effect than 
you know, like what you do, like with your family, you know what I mean? Okay. So we see, we see a lot of like great, like community members being remembered like years and years on, like, you know, they have people remember them for what they did. And it's like, your kids will remember you, but después de ahí, like, you don't know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Dang. Well, Thank you so much, Alex, for having this conversation with us. I think it was eye-opening. I learned a lot. I am still in shock. I am still on the fence of getting a bisectomy. I'm not going to lie. Um, is it something that I would consider? Yes, I would. it would be with my partner. And me personally, I'd probably do it after at least a kid. <laughs> but never say never. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being on your show. And, uh, you know, it was nice seeing you again. I know. I haven't seen him in such a long time. (laughs) I'm like, thank you. All right. Thank you for the podcast. Thank you so much. Have a great day, y'all.